everyone. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to another edition of the Wealth Guardians radio show, where we tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Doug Ray is out this week, but as always, JB is joining me in the studio today. JB, how's it going? Going well. How about you, Bryce? We're doing good. Thank you. Great. Now, before we get started, JB and I wanted to salute the men and women of our armed forces as we do every week, and our first responders, along with their families, for the sacrifices and services to this community and this country. Thank you for t- protecting the freedoms of our country and our Constitution, everybody out there. That's right. We don't do it enough, but thank you very much. Appreciate it. And for those of you who don't know, my name is not Doug Ray. I'm <laughs> Bryce Payne, and I am a financial advisor and insurance producer for Doug Ray and the Wealth Guardians. The Wealth Guardians is a professional, independent firm working with pre-retirees and retirees in all areas of retirement and estate planning, including the areas of wealth management and preservation, asset protection, tax reduction, wealth transfer and distribution, as well as income planning. We are fiduciaries with a fiduciary duty, and we have offices in both Clemens and Charlotte, and we can be reached at 336-391-3409 or via the website at www.thewealthguardians.com. And the objective of this show is to educate and inform the listeners of up-to-date, relevant, and important information in the pre-retirement, retirement, and estate planning arena. So again, welcome to the show today. JB and I are looking forward to spending the next 30 minutes with you, giving you some solid financial information that hopefully will help you and make a difference in your retirement and estate planning. Thanks, Bryce. And once again, hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Well, you've asked the questions, and we hopefully can have the answers for you this morning. See you what know, we can do. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best. And uh, once a month, we always have a great opportunity to answer many great questions that have been sent to us by you, the listener, here on the Wealth Guardians radio show. So, Bryce, we've got a lot of great information to talk about. Let's get started. Let's do it. All right. All right. We've got a question in from Emily. Now, Emily is dealing with some major changes in her personal and financial situation. She writes in, it says, Dear Doug and Bryce, I am 56 years old. I am currently in the process of a very difficult divorce. Okay. My soon-to-be ex-husband and I own our home as well as several joint investments. Okay. I do not have a job, and I have devoted my life to raising the children and taking care of our home while he worked outside the house at a very lucrative position with benefits that included a 401k plan. Okay, I'm with you. The 401k is in his name only. Now, I had looked forward to our golden years, but now Mm -hmm. fear that... Even if I manage to find a job at my age, I will have to work through my retirement years just to su- just to survive. Yeah. A friend suggested to me that I am entitled to half of his 401k plan. Is she right? And if she is, and I took my half now, would there be penalties assessed for early withdrawal? And she signed it sincerely, Emily. So, okay. Tough right. situation, but uh, some great questions. Yeah, I know some folks relevant. have been through that. It's relevant. You know? I can see why she'd be concerned. Well, hi, Emily. Uh, I, I would say great question, but uh, instead I'll say I'm sorry to hear about your situation. Um, unfortunately, this is kind of a, a common thing. No one likes to go through a divorce, and one of the biggest stress issues in that situation is how is it going to affect one's finances moving forward. Right. Everything's been turned on its head at that point. So uh, I'll start off by saying understand we are not attorneys and we can't give any legal advice But generally speaking, though, in a situation similar to what I'm hearing from you, I do believe, yes, you will be entitled to at least half of that 401k plan, especially if it's basically the only retirement asset you two have put together. Now, contributions to your 401k are marital property if they're made during the marriage. 
and the same applies to the interest and growth between the date of your wedding and the time of the divorce. So my guess, based on the information that you just gave me, is that you will be entitled to half of that 401k plan, more or less. In addition, withdrawals made pursuant to a divorce decree or marital settlement agree, those should be penalty-free. Now, that's great news there for you. Now, I don't have any idea how much money we're talking about in, in your particular situation and whether you're going to be able to live just off of that your portion of the 401k or if you will need to get a job, but those are some things that a retirement advisor is going to be able to help you with, and they can help you plan an income stream and determine if your needs will be met moving forward in this new realm of yours. And I'm sure you're going through uh, quite a bit right now, but I would definitely recommend meeting with a retirement professional who could sit down with you and go over your options. He or, or she could develop a plan for you so that you could see where you're at and get a sense of what you will need to do. Hopefully you're not going to have to get a job, but that is something a retirement specialist can help you determine as it relates to the 401k and as it relates to social security options for you as well. Uh, uh, it, it relates to everything that may be potentially split up. And if you need any additional information from us, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our number is always 336-391-3409, and I'd be happy to share some additional information if I didn't answer all of your, your question there. And, of course, we do wish you well, Emily. Yeah, absolutely. Tough situation. Yeah, not fun. Well, we've got another question in, Bryce. And do it we? Com- okay. Yeah, it comes in from Julie, and uh, Julie writes in, Hey, Doug and Bryce, I heard, I've heard the terms bear market and bull market a lot of times on the show. I really don't know what that means. Can you please explain regards, Julie? You know, it is uh, used quite a bit, and we've used it quite a bit on this, this show, and it might be yeah. good to step back and uh, maybe explain that. Yeah, hey, Julie, good question. Uh, and let's talk about the bulls and the bears. And it's funny, as, as, I, as I say that, bulls and bears, it JB, why does Chicago get to have the uh, monopoly on the Wall Street animal icons? I don't icons? know. You know, the bulls and the bears. That's yeah. You know, we're not talking about Michael Jordan and one of his teams. There. Maybe Wall Street needs to be moved to Chicago or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, obviously it is discussed on the financial networks, Julie, and in newspapers all the time. So the two terms, bull and bear markets, are very common terms when it comes to investing in the overall market. A bull market essentially means that the markets are doing good or they're doing well. In fact, uh, we've been in a bull market since 2009, and historically this one's been one of the longest bull runs ever. Uh, Again, the market is doing very well. Volatility uh, up until recently has been low. Returns have been high, and the market continues to go up at a pretty substantial pace. So that is what a bull market stands for. Now, a bear market is going to be just the opposite. In a bear market, your risk is high. Generally speaking, prices are falling or there's a lot of wild swings in the market. A lot of times people think if the market went up 400 or 500 points in one day or down 300 or 400 points in one day and back up, that that is a bull market. And uh, that's actually not. A bull market doesn't have the wild swings. So generally speaking, when we see a lot of days with excessive amounts of trading and up and down, ups and downs, that is more of a bearish market sign. The last bear market, as you probably remember, was back in 2008. In early 2009, the markets were just wildly swinging in both directions, but it was a downward trend, and eventually the market lost about half of its value. Now, even though we've been in a bull market uh, for pretty much all the time in the last nine years or so, bull markets do not last forever. So that's why it's important to have a proper risk management system in place You want your actual portfolio to adapt to changing market environments instead of just holding through and riding the waves of the market. What you want is for your portfolio basically to identify changing market environments 
and identify bull and bear markets. And when bear markets do come into play, change your holdings to adjust and adapt in order to protect your accounts so you don't take that big hit as so many people did in, uh, in the last one. Right. Again, always try to own the right investments that are always in a bull market position. So even though you have overall bull and bear markets out there, every individual traded security actually will have its own bull and bear markets of its own. So realistically, it doesn't really matter what the overall market environment is doing. You want your own portfolio to always be in a bull market position. And if you if you if you have the right risk management system in place and you have the right investment uh, philosophy system in place, it will make adjustments to what you invest in based on the changing market environments. So there are ways today that you can keep your own individual portfolio always in a bull market position, no matter what the overall market environment is doing. And we feel it's important to understand and learn about that type of investment philosophy, especially as you get close to your retirement years. As you uh, must avoid those big hits during your pre-retirement and retirement years, you just you got to avoid them. So, Julie, hopefully that answered your simple question about what does bull and bear markets mean. If you have any additional follow-up questions on uh, how to avoid the bear markets and participate as much as you can in the bull markets, you, you know how to reach us. And a great question, Julie. We, we hope that helped you out there. All right, you ready for another question, Bryce? I suppose I am. All right, well, we've got uh, Jay writing in, and uh, Jay has some concerns about the possible effects that the trade war could have on the status ah. of the stock market. So okay, a very Jay. timely question. He writes in, it says, Dear Doug and Bryce, my portfolio has recently enjoyed the benefits of a strong market. I've been very pleased with my gains. However, I have heard on the show and elsewhere that the markets will eventually have to make a correction at some point. With the recent ups and downs of the Dow Jones and S&P 500 indexes and the continued discussions of trade wars and tariffs, should people consider pulling out of the market until things settle down? I lost a lot of money in 2008. I know a lot of people did, and I don't want to be caught unaware again. Sincerely, Jay. So okay. another great question. Yeah, well, great uh, great current event question, yeah, actually. Yeah, I like those. Uh, Jay, uh, thank you for that. In fact, it follows up the previous question pretty well uh, now that I think about it. Uh, again, you're right. Markets are not going to continue to go up. Obviously, there are a lot of things going on in the markets right now, and how that all plays out is still yet to be seen, of course. But we are overdue for a correction. We're very much overdue for a correction. The markets do not go up all the time, so we're overdue for a big-time correction, and we're going to have one at some point. And the longer it waits, the longer it hovers out there in the distance, the bigger it is likely to be. But the good news is, if you have the proper risk management system in place, as I just mentioned, you don't need to pull your money out of the market right now in anticipation of that. It may not happen for the next two to three years, and you would miss out on a lot of gains. And a lot of people have made that mistake. They, they try to predict when the next bear market's going to come, so they pull out, and boy, howdy, if they don't miss out on one, two, three years of bull market just sitting on the sidelines. And we, you don't want that to happen. So what you want to do is make sure you have the right investment philosophies in place that are going to identify changing market environments overall. Now, this is going to allow you to take advantage of the bull run while we're on it. But when things start to get choppy and we start to turn bearish, then your portfolio will adapt and change and protect you at that time. And so these options do exist today, and some people don't know about them, but they do exist and what you want to do is learn about them to see if they are a proper fit for your individual situation. And whatever you do, Jay, don't try and time the market. I'm cautioning you. Very few people, in fact, I don't know of any over time that can time the market correctly, consistently. So you choosing to get out of the market now in anticipation of the market falling apart at some point is not generally going to work. 
What you want to do is get into an investment system that will monitor changing market environments and monitor the risks in the markets and make those adjustments for you instead of using that tradition buy and hold approach that most people use. So good question. And there, there are solutions to it. If you want more information on those solutions, you'll probably have to speak to us personally. But we're able to be reached uh, five days a week, 336-391-3409. And I'll tell you what, Bryce, let's take a quick time out. And we're going to go pay the bills, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show right here on 94.5 WPTI. We've got more questions, and we're going to get to them when we return. Hang in, everybody. Welcome back to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show here on 94.5 WPTI. Now, today we have been answering some of the many questions on the minds of our listeners. Let's see what else they have to say. Let's throw me another curveball here. Okay, Bryce. Our next question addresses important information on spending in retirement. Okay. And we've got an email from Ryan. And Ryan writes in, while flipping through the channels the other night, I came across a program about retirement. They discussed something called the 4% rule. Ah, yeah. Now, the host of the program said that as long as you withdraw no more than 4% from your retirement accounts each year, the money should last you 30 years. How sound is that advice? (laughs) And are there exceptions to this rule? And is there a minimum amount of money that has to be saved for this rule to apply? Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, uh, great great question, Ryan. Now, that really is a great one um, because the 4% rule is out there. A lot of people have heard of it. And unfortunately, a lot of people will base their uh, whole retirement planning around that and that alone. And they only find out too late that it does not work. So one of the biggest questions and decisions a retiree will ask themselves is, what percentage of my nest egg can I safely and comfortably draw each year? And obviously, this decision could have major impacts on the rest of your entire retirement lives. With it being such a huge decision, many people will look for advice in a lot of different places. Unfortunately, just like medical information, a lot of the advice found online and other media outlets are going to be extremely general in nature and not based on anything specific to your situation and, for that matter, could even be flat-out wrong. Mm -hmm. And following a certain withdrawal percentage that you uh, get from a general source could be quite dangerous. Please don't do that. So the answer to your question is no, it's not very sound advice in many, many cases. You have to be careful with what you hear on television and read on the Internet. I have heard this, that occasionally stuff on the Internet is not accurate, JB. Really? That's what I've heard. But Are you serious? I, I've heard it on the Internet, oh though, goodness. so I'm not I'm for, kind of a catch-22 there. Thank you for letting me know that. The key to retirement planning is to use the financial tools that are best suited for you based on your own specific goals, objectives, and desires. So there is no right or wrong standard percentage for everyone. It all depends on your individual situation and what other types of retirement assets and incomes you have coming in. Your health situation, your tax situation, you name it. There are a lot of other variables that come into play when putting together income plans for clients, and that includes figuring out the correct withdrawal strategy. So all these variables will often need to be adjusted accordingly based on different changing events in your life. So don't ever take a standard rule of thumb as being the right thing for you. Always work with a retirement professional to determine the best situation for your individual, specific, unique situation based on your own unique goals, objectives, 
and desires. I, I beseech all of you out there, don't list, don't take just general information and run with it like it's pure gold. And we want to thank Ryan for writing in. Yeah, that thank question. you, Ryan. All right, we've got another question in, Bryce. Now, it's a little bit long, so work, work with me here, okay? All right. Um, our next question comes from someone asking about protecting their retirement IRA account from a possible nursing home stay, which is, you know, a big issue. Okay. Uh, Joan writes in, says, hi, Doug and Bryce. Hi, Joan. Last year, a friend's husband had a stroke left him in, incapacitated and in need of a nursing home and, and the care that involves all, everything that goes along with that. Now, their insurance would not cover the stay in the nursing home, say that, so they applied mm. for Medicaid in hopes of receiving financial aid for the bills. Right. They were told they would have to spend down their available assets before Medicaid would cover the cost. Yep. So sadly, the money ha- that they had saved in hopes of leaving an inheritance to their children had to be used for the nursing home cost. Yeah. My husband and I have an IRA account for our retirement, and we worry about the same thing, and it could happen to us. Are there any assets that do not have to be used up or sold in order to qualify for Medicaid? And is there a way we can protect our IRA accounts should one or the other of us require nursing home care in the future? Sincerely, Joan. Great question. Yeah, it's a complicated question, too, Joan. Uh, Thanks. Um, it is a common question, and I certainly understand your concern, particularly when you saw it happen uh, firsthand to a friend. Uh, unfortunately, I can tell you, you're not alone out there. A lot of people do not plan properly and lose a lot of their hard-earned money to a nursing home stay because just of a lack of proper planning. Nursing home stays and long-term illnesses are not covered by Medicare and Medicare supplements or your private insurance in most cases. The only way you can get coverage for long-term care is through some specific long-term care insurance and or Medicaid. But essentially, in order to qualify for Medicaid, you have to basically be dead broke. And in regard to the question you sent us, that is why your friends were told they had to, quote-unquote, spend down in order to qualify for that Medicaid. Basically, you have to be out of assets before Medicaid can step in and take the care uh for you that you wanted. So is there a way you can protect your assets? That was your question. And your retirement money is from a long-term care illness, so you don't have to spend it down and still possibly qualify for Medicaid? Well, there are some ways you can do this, but it does take planning. You can't just do it on the fly at the very end when the situation happens. There are several different options to go through, and too many for me to list out on, on the show today, but there are some potential ways to do this, whether that is through estate planning, through long-term care insurance, protection options, or through Medicaid planning. There are a lot of different options and considerations for each individual situation that need to be addressed on a one-on-one basis. And to figure out the best and most proper way to protect his or her assets from a possible nursing home stay in that future. And JB, what everyone has to understand and realize is that this is probable. It's not just likely. People are living longer and in all probability in a marriage of at least uh, one uh, two people, one of them is going to need some type of long-term care coverage at some point in the future. You heard our story last week when Doug, uh, you and myself were telling stories from our families. Right. And that situation comes up again and again. Make sure you have the proper uh, long-term care plan so that you don't have to spend down your assets like that. Right. So um, I, I really appreciate you sending your question in. There are some solutions, and that is something a retirement professional can sit down and help you with based on your own situation and the types of assets and incomes that you specifically have. Our answer is going to be different for everybody who who comes into us, basically, is what I'm saying. Well, thanks, Bryce. You know the need for long-term care can happen at 
any time to any of us, and that's good information to know. I think uh, I think we got some uh, we got time for another question or so. Okay, so let's, I'm, let's I'm ready right for it. There. We've got a question in from Jason, and Jason writes in. It says, "Many times on your show, I have heard you discuss the importance of finding a financial advisor who is also a fiduciary." Well, oh, my favorite word. There you go. Well, recently I read online that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has made a decision that vacated the fiduciary rule. Mm. Now, the article I read stated that the result of it. Uh, that the result is as if it was never implemented. Okay. Now, does this change the responsibility of financial advisors towards investors, and does it change your advice? And can someone still be a fiduciary without the fiduciary rule? Thanks, Jason. Okay, Jason. Um, Another great question, and it's one of my favorite ones, Um, one of my favorite topics, fiduciaries. Obviously, this has been in the news a lot lately, and for those who don't understand well, that means you haven't been listening to our show because I've brought this up time and time again over the last few weeks. Shame on them. <laughs> there are two standards for financial advisors, the suitability standard and the fiduciary duty standard. In fact, I don't have to tell you this. JB could probably do this part himself. <laughs> the suitability standard is what about 90 to 95 percent of all financial advisors adhere to. And basically what it says is that they have to recommend products that are, quote unquote, suitable for you, but not necessarily in your best interests. And there is a difference there, folks. Unfortunately, with all the tools out there, there are a lot of different products that could be suitable for a client, but not necessarily in their best interests. And it gives advisors a lot of options to do what is best possibly for them instead of what is best for you, their client. Right. Okay. So having said that, the other standard is the fiduciary duty standard or the fiduciary standard. And this is just the opposite. Financial advisors held to a fiduciary duty standard have to act in the best interests of the client by law. Those are the two best interests in by law. And we can only recommend what is the best interest of the clients at all times. So obviously the fiduciary duty is a lot stricter standard, but unfortunately only about 5% of us financial advisors and retirement advisors who own certain licenses are held to this fiduciary duty. Our practice has always adhered to the fiduciary duty. Uh, Doug Ray operates off the fiduciary standard due to his uh, chartered financial consultant certificate, and I do as well based off of my FINRA licenses. But again, most financial advisors are not held to this duty. This is why it's important when you're interviewing financial retirement advisors that you ask them what suitability standard they adhere to. We always recommend you try to find one with that fiduciary duty. This doesn't mean that all financial advisors out there who are held to the suitability standard are not giving you advice that's in your best interest, but it does mean that they are not required to do that by law, and they might not do it 100% of the time. So in our opinion, you just want to make sure you're working with a fiduciary because, again, they have to act in your best interest at all times. And JB, the analogy that I'll use here is if you drive an Audi or a Beamer or a Mercedes, you're probably going to take that car to a mechanic that specializes in European cars right. because that's what's in you and your car's best interest. That's right. And why would you treat your own finances with any less care and concern? Simple as that. Yep. You don't want to take your Audi to a washing machine repairman. Well, I don't even want to take it to a basic guy who, <laughs> who, who knows Fords and Dodges inside out, actually. I would want to take it to somebody who knows that European engineering. That's right. And so that's what the law is about. It's trying to require more financial advisors to abide by this fiduciary duty. Unfortunately, what you heard was correct. It doesn't look like this law is going to go through to make more financial advisors adhere to the, finan- the fiduciary standard. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't still exist. We do. 
but hopefully someday in the future it will go through. And if you have any more questions about it, when it does go through, there will be a lot more of us out there and it will be easier for people like you, Jason, to get that fiduciary duty advice rather than just suitability advice. And JB, that's all I've got to say about that. My favorite topic. Okay, JB, do we have any uh, time for another one? Actually, we're almost out of time, Bryce. Unfortunately, oh. I know time really goes by when we're, we're doing the show here. Well, that, that's okay. We had some good ones in there. Um, my favorite topic, some current events and whatnot. Um, but unfortunately, as you say, you're, you're the one who makes the calls. If we're out of time, we're out of time. But folks, if you have any questions that we didn't cover today on the air and you'd like to have them answered, do please feel free to submit your questions to us in writing through our website, and that's www thewealthguardians.com or you can send an email to me directly that's Bryce and I spell it the wrong way B-R-I-C-E at thewealthguardians.com and once a month we do this question and answer show and we always get a lot of good questions we try to choose questions to put on the show that will help a lot of people we will protect your name but we'll need your permission to use your questions on the show so if you have a question you would like for us to put on the air please feel free to write us and we will definitely consider it If you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out to us by phone, 336-391-3409. And again, you can also find us at our website, www.thewealthguardians.com. Hey, we appreciate the time you spent with us today, and we look forward to coming back next week with another great show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. JB, you have a good weekend as well. You too, Bryce. I appreciate it. You did a great job on the show, and we'll talk to you next Saturday. Sounds good. See you then.